You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. Once again, I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited to have somebody who I've known a little bit from the past join us as a guest, Jeff Hofwagen. I, th- I hope I pronounced it correctly. It's, to talk uh, about operational debt as a real thing. Jake, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great, great. So Jake, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Obviously, I've known you for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, where to start? So I'm uh, I'm Dutch, so I hope that you don't hold that against me. And um, coming, coming from Amsterdam and started out my career in um, sort of the mid to late 90s with the with a company called McAfee, right? Yeah. Just lucky to be at the right place at the right time. McAfee was a really small company in Europe and um, we grew really, really fast uh, by acquiring also a lot of companies in Europe who are much bigger. And um, you know, as a result, my career sort of uh, went on the fast track, ended up in uh, in Santa Clara, basically packed my, uh, Picked my one suitcase, hopped on a flight, and uh, I never looked back. And um, always been in uh, in sales, sales operations, uh, enablement, and sales strategy ever since. Um, doing that right now at Nutanix. And uh, do you want to go over my uh, my career trajectory? I mean, you just tell us where yeah. you are, like everything oh, that, that the world needs to know about you. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, sure. Well, we can we can do that. So had a great ride at McAfee. Um, I was part of McAfee.com, uh, which was, uh, and McAfee never really got a lot of credit for it, but, you know, we really pioneered sort of the, the, the move from perpetual to uh, subscription and, and to hosted. We called it back then hosted. And McAfee.com was, uh, was really a SaaS company. It was, it was hosted antivirus. And um, that, that was just great fun. And we're talking about subscriptions. Uh, we're talking about subscriber counts. We were talking about eyeballs. Um, uh, it was a fantastic journey. But McAfee ended up buying us back, and um, then I left for a place called uh, Zone Labs, uh, which was, was doing something similar. Uh, the product was called Zone Alarm, uh, and also they were in the city. I was living in the city. I was driving back and forth, uh, putting a lot of a lot of miles on um, a very old Saab 900S. And uh, so I was so excited to finally not commute to the South Bay anymore. And um, Zone Labs uh, was a great story too. It was it was a consumer slash SMB play um, hosted. We pushed it pushed it into the enterprise uh, and uh, started competing against Checkpoint. And then Checkpoint ended up buying uh, Zone Labs and um, oversaw the transition. And decided that um, I really wanted to take another other run at a startup, right? Uh, McAfee.com was fun. Zone Labs was great fun. I had, had good outcomes, and um, I went to a place called Mindjet. Uh, after that, um, 
which was awesome, awesome software. I'm, it's one of the few softwares I actually still use religiously every day. It's, it's, it's mind mapping software. Um, it's a great project management tool and note-taking tool. Um, once you use it, you're going to be hooked at hooked. So uh, give it a try. I guess, I guess I'm going to give them a plug. Uh, stick with Mindjet for a while. Uh, you know, it was also a niche market where we operated in a little bit. And looking back at it now, we probably should have moved the file sharing route because that came, became really big with Box and Dropbox. But we uh, we never quite uh, made made that pivot. So our TAM was uh, was quite small, right? And um, that was that was also a good lesson uh, learned for for the listeners here. And unless you're super passionate about the space. Um, you shouldn't really be be working for a company that has very limited TAM. And so I decided to move on, um, went to WebSense, uh, from WebSense uh, to NetSuite, which was a fabulous ride, um, up to uh, the Oracle acquisition. And, um, you know, after that, I had to do some soul searching, what I wanted to do next. Um, you know, staying at Oracle wasn't really in the cards for me. and. It was also just not what I wanted to do. Looked for a whole bunch of companies, found Yaxt, and um, and super impressed by the management team. Really cool space. Uh, was in New York, and uh, I decided to pack up my bags, move to New York. Uh, that was the other part. It's probably the best town uh, that I ever lived in. Um, actually, the energy is just amazing, and. Um, and so we took that thing IPO in uh, 2017, and uh, from there on to Flexport, and uh, now Nutanix. Yeah, that's 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 the career journey. We can talk about the personal journey, but I have to skip some parts. I think. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, thank you for sharing this because, and and through your journey, you've been primarily in sales ops. That that's right. It's either. Um, Sales ops, uh, rev ops, and, um, and and enablement. Yeah, I started out in sales and then I quickly moved to to sales ops and um, fell in love with it. Um, but the profession has has changed so much over the years. Yes, absolutely. And, and this is great, by the way. And it's so timely right now, right? Because mm -hmm. the over the the year end break, there was a lot of content about why can't CROs come from sales ops or marketing ops or rev ops, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and one of the big things uh, um, that has been debated last, uh, all last year was the lack of operational experience that CROs have. And then how do you get that to them, right? And so, so I'm super excited that you were here uh, with us and, and, and you picked a topic that, that, that I believe is very real it hasn't it hasn't been called operational debt but it absolutely exists right and uh, and once people identify it and realize it then they can start working towards it and you have tons of experience helping companies through that transformation and you're also doing that at where you are today so i guess let's dive in from your experience in supporting having been in sales and supporting sales let's say or revenue leaders for so long like what does it take to become a leading cro um, I mean, a lot of courage, right? Um, you know, it's, I've had the fortune to work with just some amazing CROs, right? Um, Jim Steele at Yaxt, um, uh, 
uh, Mark Huffman and uh, James Ramsey at, um, at, at, at NetSuite and, um, you know, a couple of other guys at, at McAfee. And um, A, um, they're very hardworking, right? And B, um, they have high emotional intelligence, right? And, um, and C, most of the time they are um, a lot more numbers driven um, than you would expect, right? And, and so in the past, maybe, I, I always like to simplify things maybe, but um, imagine, imagine a sliding uh, scale and you have the artist and the scientist, right? And um, the artist is extremely charismatic, um, a great people leader, uh, high emotional intelligence, um, you know, a person you really want to be around, a very inspiring leader. And, um, and, and on the other side of the spectrum, you have sort of the scientists, people who are really in MAL, um, you know, marketing accepted leads, um, sales accepted leads. They talk about pipe. They run a really tight ship as, when it comes to their forecasting calls. Um, they're really in, heavily invested in their sales process. Um, and, and most of the CROs that I worked with, um, you could either, you, you could put them on that line, right? Like an artist or, you know, a scientist. Um, I always think that the best CRO is sort of right in the middle. Um, somebody extremely, um, uh, you know, charismatic, right in front of clients, obviously. Um, uh, but also somebody who really understands the numbers and understands process. Because uh, in this day and age, um, a lot of your success is going to hinge on your ability to understand uh, your customer journey, uh, your sales process, um, your ability to to interpret and um, analyze metrics. Yeah. Great. That's great. Does that, and so I guess does that, it, mm -hmm, does that answer it? It, it does, but but I, I want to unpack this a little bit, right? Because mm -hmm. you spent some time with Jim Steele, who's arguably uh, an extremely senior person, and and I was yeah. listening to the to to his podcast where, and he was just describing his journey with Mark Benioff and like going through the. I think it was like, like at least it was at least seventeen interviews that he went in working with Mark Benioff, and they talked about like how Mark put him through a sessions with his dog, his, a psychologist, a a a, a performance coach. And he, I mean, all of these things that that that, that he got. Right. And then mm -hmm. I, I was not fortunate to to know James Ramsey, but I'd know Mark Huffman really well because of mm. my past and and uh, an extremely uh, passionate person. And so I guess like what what when you saw those guys right like 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 and let's talk about it from an operational debt perspective like did they have the awareness that there was an operational debt and it needed to be fixed or or was there like a like like what was that process like for them um geez so so the netsuite story is um is different than the yak story right um so I'm trying to think think how I'm going to approach this. Uh, you know, at, at NetSuite, we ran the company on NetSuite, right? Um, uh, wall to wall, basically. Okay. And um, and and um, if you really think about NetSuite, if you really think long and hard about NetSuite, it is the ultimate um, revenue operations tool, if, if, right? I mean, you can do quoting. Uh, it has your CRM. Um, 
you know, your CPQ, um, your, your, your reporting, uh, your, your, customer, your customer intelligence, um, your adoption metrics, um, your customer health score, uh, your CS organization works out of it. That's really the power of NetSuite. It's a single platform. And, um, and, and, and so um, I find at NetSuite we had less operational debt. Um, because we use the platform uh, soup to nuts, also less handoffs. Um, the, the debt that we had at NetSuite um, really related to, to us needing to reinvent the company time and time again, where we went on a journey to, to you know, become a, a, a billion dollar powerhouse right in, in the SaaS industry. And, um, and so we, we made some under Mark's leadership and, and Jim and James, um, I think they made some some really really impressive bets. Um, one of the things they did uh, that, that still stands out was uh, we went from a, a a more reactionary inbound sales organization to a, to an outbound prospecting machine. Um, so reimagining our customer journey, our sales process, and finding uh, investing in BDRs, SDRs. Um, we, we did a really good job, I think, in spinning up our verticals um, and especially in finance um, that resonates, right? And in, in, in any industry, I believe, if you know the KPIs, if you know the language of the customer, if you can tailor your, um, your demo sets, if you can tailor your marketing message um, to a specific industry, um, you're, you're very far ahead. Um, so we really did that well. Um, we, we, we went into globals um, early and we stuck with the investment. Um, global accounts isn't something that uh, you spin up and suddenly after six, six or nine months, you, you start closing uh, 10, 20, 30 or $40 million deals, right? That takes a while. Um, and they stuck with that investment. Um, no, nobody ever panicked. Um, yeah, so we, we reinvented the company after every stage. And that's what you have to do if you wanna, if you wanna get to a bill and beyond. Yes. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, I guess if you do connect with the CRO who's not, let's say, operationally savvy, mm-hmm. then you as a RevOps leader have both of an educational issue, right? Because you have to educate them, right? And then there's a supporting issue because that person desperately needs help, right? Mm-hmm. And so to me, it seems like the the RevOps role or the RevOps leader role is a little bit more of a of a a personal support role than a professional support role as well. I, I, I'm gonna, but again, it's it's a thought in my mm-hmm. mind. But I would love to hear your thoughts on it. No, no, I I I, I think uh, I'm gonna be tied to the hip with the CRO, right? And yes. um, I have to be his eyes, I have to be his ears, I have to make sure that I feed him data, uh, provide him with options, but also with recommendations. Um, if all you do is you, you submit problems and issues to uh, to your CRO, um, you're probably not doing your job well, right? Um, yeah. it, it, everybody can point out uh, issues. It, the trick is to come up with solutions and actually um, make sure that you're always, you know, six months ahead, right? Yep. It's coming. Um, and, so, and so I find that a key that's that's absolutely key um thinking thinking true i'm really no no, i'm thinking true i'm really gonna gonna answer your question um but make no mistake yeah yeah i mean 
you also have to know your boundaries, right? Um, like in the end, um, CROs have they have so much on their plate, right? They they are. I mean, their email constantly goes. They have to be in front of customers. They have to be in front of the board. They have to hit numbers. Uh, they have to they have to hire people. They have to watch attrition. Um, they have to work on, um, like I mentioned, the hiring profiles. Uh, uh, you know, keep an eye out on forecast. Um, participate in planning. Um, so, so it, it it's not really my role to I think to to make whoever I am supporting um, technically more savvy. I just have to make sure that they can they can actually do their job to the best of the ability, and I want to provide them with the luxury of not worrying about things like a comp plan design, um, uh, you know, the, coming up with fair and equitable quotas, um, you know, the, the forecast uh, methodology, the sales process, the sales playbooks, right? Um, uh, where are leads coming from? Uh, how is our CRM working? Can we quote, like, a CRO really shouldn't, they, they shouldn't be worried, worried about that. Like, it, it, it's up to me to make sure that, um, there's a good talk track around that and there is a firm understanding of if we have any issues, plus the solution, obviously. Um, but but it, it's not humanly possible to to uh, focus on getting revenue in the door and um, focusing on your operations. But at the same token, um, I do think that sales and RevOps is uh, an enablement, obviously, is an excellent lever to, to increase sales productivity. And um, having it report into a CRO to me is very natural. Uh, it makes a lot of sense and um, a savvy CRO realizes that um, simple things like a comp plan design, a spiff, focusing on an enablement track or you know rede redesigning your customer journey or sales process is actually going to um, help get revenue in the door. So is, so is having the right coverage model. I can go on for hours. Um, yeah. That that's, that's, yeah, no, it, it, it does. Uh, and and uh... And I, I feel like like more uh, CROs or, or even sales sales leaders, right? Like like should opt to beef up their sales ops resources just because the world that we live in right now is a world where every salesperson is a marketer, every marketer is a salesperson. Like every if you're the go to market machine or the customer engine, you have to be multidisciplinary. You have to know all the different ways that revenue can come to the door because your customers can, your prospects can become customers, those prospects can become evangelists, those customers can become partners. You know, like like every audience member, like let's call it, can play multiple roles and and you have to be open to that. Yeah. Yeah. Is, 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 is that a question? <laughs> you no, got to no, repeat I'm, it. <laughs> I, 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 I just want yeah. to see if you, th if, you if, if you think that way, right? Like, like if you, is that the right way to think about it? Because this, again, these are some things that I've picked up over the, the multiple uh, podcasts that I've done and, uh, and, and, and not enough of this thinking exists. No, no, I 100% agree. Um, it also, you know, the, the job changed so much in, in, in sales ops too, right? So, um, I think I think a CRO or any or the entire organization uh, should expect way more from um, a revenue operations versus your classic sales operations person. Um, it's just it's a different skill set versus now versus when I started out doing this. Um, it, it, the job is completely different. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no. And so I guess t tell us about your current challenge, right? Because you, you did a little bit of soul searching, you figured out you're going to go and, uh, and tackle this again. And, uh, uh, and then I, I believe you took on an assignment that uh, does require uh, not uh, some transformational chops. So you want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess, I guess, really, this is a good time to sort of dive into operational debt, right? And then maybe like, it's a question I get tons, like, when should we really invest in revenue operations? Like, when is a good time, right? And, um, you know, I typically speaking get hired in two scenarios, companies in hyper growth, right? And, um, uh, or, you know, companies in, in shambles, or, you know, number C, I guess, a combination of a combination of both, right? And um, yep. that that happens a lot. Um, yeah, we can explore that. So um, you can also hire ops too late, right? And, um, and, and if you're in hyper growth, um, for example, uh, you're probably dealing with um, hiring and onboarding a lot of hats, right? You're probably dealing with you needing to scale your um, your ecosystem. You're probably dealing with um, you needing to come up with a competitive comp plan that you know manages cost uh, correctly. But the function of a comp plan, first and foremost, is to attract sales talent and, and to retain it. To me, that's that's the number one function. And um, and uh, you're probably dealing with a whole bunch of generalists that you hired. Uh, you're dealing with a with a data mess. You don't have a sales process. You don't have a customer journey. Um, you don't have a forecasting methodology. You barely run forecast calls. And, and so this is going to impact your revenue growth in a negative way, right? Unless you are, um, you know, 100% product-led growth maybe, and you have a very small and nimble sales organization. If, if a lot of your hiring, if a lot of your growth comes from hiring, right? And, and then um, you're going to be all, experiencing all these problems. And um, if you don't have answers and things get a mess, um, it will impact your growth, right? So my quoting, it takes too long to quote, or, you know, I can't build a quote. I can't even find a spark number. Um, I don't understand my comp plan. My comp plan is wrong. My, my, my comp check is completely off. Um, uh, when is the last time we did a forecast call? Uh, like I, I don't understand where the gaps are versus plan. Um, I, you know, where's my pipeline coming from? Who who actually owns part of the pipeline? Is it marketing? Is it sales? Is it the SDR, BDRs? What are the handoffs on this account between client success and, um, and, 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 and our account executive organization? Who's communicating to the client, right? Like I've seen all these scenarios. We have channel conflict. I can go on for hours and hours, right? And then you, you have to resolve, right? But it, it does have an impact on your revenue, quite considerable impact on your revenue actually. And um, and so my advice is always you have to invest, ideally, um, before you hit um, exponential growth, right? Because setting up a CRM takes time, figuring out your CPQ um, takes time, and bringing to life your sales motion within that CPQ takes time. Uh, trying to figure out what the metrics are that uh, make sense for you to run your business on that takes a little bit of time, right? And um, and uh, you don't want to be behind that. You you want to be you want to be in front of that. Um, uh, dealing with a turnaround situation, or is, is is extremely difficult, right? Because 
the train is already the train already left the station, right? And um, maybe you have five or a billion or two billion in revenue, and now suddenly you you need to sort of do <laughs> open heart surgery in a, in a driving ambulance, right? It's extremely difficult, right? And it's gonna it's gonna just require a a very very big investment um, in ops. So that's the other thing. If you if you are experiencing a, a turnaround situation, um, that just it will get really expensive, right? Because you probably going to run dual systems for a little while. You need to keep the wheels on the bus, and you need to um, reinvent uh, yourself uh, from a, from a go to market motion. Uh, that's not that's not an easy an easy task. Um, so I think NetSuite is a is a great example of us always keeping ahead of what was coming, right? Thanks to our leadership, obviously, and um, and making sure we execute on things. Um, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the the valley is is littered with examples of um, yep. of, of of companies just not getting ahead of it, and um, it will it will undoubtedly uh, hurt you as a company. Yeah. yeah. So so do you have like the top three rules of Jake for ops or maybe a, a framework that you've solidified over the years that you can share with aspiring RevOps leaders? Um, you mean like how to structure your organization or just tips on how to get better at the gig or, or both? Both? Let's talk about both of them. Damn, I didn't. I wish I didn't give you that option. So, so look, um, let, let me just put on my... Uh, you know my, my my 20 22 or 23 year um let me let me let me sort of explain how how revops came to be maybe that's good yeah. and um because i always i also mentioned somewhere in this podcast that the job has changed and the skill set yes. has changed and people have to realize that so so a long long time ago when i started out in uh, <laughs> in uh in sales ops um you know, it really it had two basic functions, right? And, and some people still think this way, and it's 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 sad actually, um, because you're you're uh, not doing yourself any favors. Um, it was let's make sure that we can process an order, right? And let's make sure that we can um, pay people, and um, maybe if somebody was super progressive, let's make sure we can do a forecast call, right? And back then, that sort of makes sense because. Um, you know, software was still shipped in boxes and CD-ROMs and floppy disks, right? And um, so processing an order was actually quite complex. And, um, you know, compensation is always a key. And um, even even today, you have to make sure that uh, you have a really tight comp process and, and, and procedure. Um, and actually, I do most of my reporting, for example, out of my compensation tool because it's the best. Um, yep out there uh, so so i did something i'm i'm always heavily invested in um and uh but and then you ran a forecast school but that really was it right and, and and that was a 60 to 70 hour work week and um and we were all selling to a two-tier channel and and so the world has changed right like nobody's shipping floppy disks anymore um right um so fulfillment isn't a big deal anymore, right? Getting an order booked isn't a big deal anymore because we got CPQ and um, we probably uh, make sure that everything goes direct, right? I mean, or, you know, we pay a partner a revenue share, for example, right? It's a completely different di different motion right now. So a lot of our time has freed up um, because the CPQ and fulfillment um, facet of the job has just disappeared. 
right? Um, largely. So the role morphed very much from um, pure operationally to let's make sure that we can get sales productivity up, right? And um, that's that's why my LinkedIn handle is sales productivity. So what can we make sure that our what can we do to make sure that our sales organization sell better and and faster, right? So investing in enablement. Um, we got a CRM right now. Let's make sure that the sales process and our customer journeys are baked into a CRM. So our forecast means something. Um, Let's make, let's make sure that um, we make uh, quoting super easy for everybody, right? Instead of this, this nightmarish um, uh, app that, that nobody can use, right? Um, let's make sure that we have some rules of engagement in place. Um, let's make sure that um, we, 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 we focus on communications to our sales organization, right? Like what do they need to know um, on, on, a, on, on a monthly basis? And let's really, really invest in that. Um, so everything should be tailored now around making sure that the sales organization can grow, be more productive. And um, whether you do that with um, systems, uh, whether you do that with um, just, a, just a more interesting compensation and incentive structure, whether you do that with better alignment with marketing or, or, or client success, um, that's the role right now. So out with sales operations, in with RevOps and making that a real productivity lever. That's how you have to think about hiring a RevOps person. Um, and operations is just part of making sure that you can be become more productive. Okay, so, and so that mm -hmm. right there, what you just said, I think nails it. Because that's probably the best thing that I've heard around how do you philosophically think about RevOps? Because it's not just an ops role, it's a productivity role. It's not an enablement role, it's a productivity role. It's gotta be the catalyst that helps bring, accelerate everybody else around you, right? I don't know yeah. if, 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 if there's been a lot of content about that out in the marketplace today. At least I have not read something that says, yes, this is it. Like everybody starts to like talk about it in a very tactical manner, but tackling this at the, at the philosophical level, I think is actually way more important because you're like, I have some a team who is at the ground floor, they're on the field, they're running as fast as they can. It's unreal to think that they would actually lift their heads up and look around to see if there's other things happening, right? You do mm -hmm. need another another layer of help that can make those people even further helpful. And yeah. and and that word is actually productivity. So thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm 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 very passionate about that, as you can as you can tell. Um, look, operations, good good and healthy operations, and um, you know, a very solid and structured way to to run your business. Those are table stakes, right? Like. I mean that's that's 101 from a from a from a rev ops and a sales ops person, and you should be able to expect that um, in any growth situation. Really, what's really key is is making sure that you you, you increase that productivity, right? That's why you invest in in rev ops, right? And um, there are so many ways that you can you can get involved and make sure that um, you make make life easier for a sales rep, right? Um, whether it's in in a deal desk or a bid desk function, hey, did you think about positioning this deal? Um, in this this particular way, or um, hey, you know, in, in Corona times, for example, yeah, maybe we should not pedal annual billing. Maybe we should talk about you know monthly for a little while to to give a customer a break, right? You don't need to churn this customer. Um, 
there are so many things, so many, so many levers to pull to, to make sure that um, we can get more out of a, a particular opportunity. Um, uh, or we can help in, um, in decreasing churn or, you know, increasing NRR, GRR. Uh, there's plenty of things we can do to make sure that um, we understand our um, our marketing motion better and to to increase conversion rates um, from MAL to MQL to SAL to SQL. Right? There's so many things that we can do, and and you should judge yourself on that too as a, as a as a RevOps organization. You know, like you should come to your your CRO and say, well, my target is to you know, add four fields to our CPQ and to pump out the rules of engagement document. Like that's important, right? But your target should be, um, you know, I want to decrease churn by X. Um, I want to make sure that uh, these particular regions are uh, accelerating their business by Y, by, you know, like uh, collaborating more on deals or helping them out with positioning. Um, uh, you want to tie yourself to business outcomes, right? And and if that is that is what, in my mind, makes an excellent RevOps person. Yeah, yeah. I'm passionate. Well, that, about that's it. great. I mean, thank, thanks for thanks for diving into into this mm. one because, and I, I guess uh, as we look to close this part section of the podcast, like, mm. like I, I'm thinking like you have so much rich experience in working with many CRO level folks, right, or CROs themselves, right. So, if there was from your vantage point, right the perfect CRO, right? Yeah. What what would that person's charter look like? What are the, the top five things that person's got to do from your vantage point of your experience with working with many of them and also your own experiences of running RevOps? Um, uh, so top five sort of characteristics of a CRO. Woo! Yes, absolutely. If, if there was a perfect CRO, right? I mean, that, I, think, yeah. I think this is yeah, good, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it draws on your, your all of your experience. Yeah. Let me let me let me see if I can even get to five. But um, so number one, I think, which is super important for a CRO, and uh, I've seen the best ones do it, is um, they control their emotions. Uh, they're very even keeled in in a, in a pleasant manner, right? Um, I've never seen. Um, uh, an amazing CRO uh, fly completely off the handle, right? To prove a point, um, either that's just their personality, right? Or they can control their emotions really well. But it, it's it's very important for for a sales leader to to sort of be um, in control of your emotions. And you know, like if you ever were in sales, you understand why because it's an emotional roller coaster. Right? Let's let's not forget that. You know, what we do in RevOps is we support probably the hardest profession in, in corporate America, right? If you ever were in sales, you go from a high to a low in no time, right? And that's that's really tough on a lot of people, right? So imagine you being a CRO and having to deal with these 500 things that can affect your deal or, or you, not your deal, your forecast in a negative way. That's tough, right? So being emotionally stable, I think, is... is um, even keeled, at least with your emotions, is, is, is um, very important, right? So number two, I think, um, to, and the last on that also is like, you know, you're, you're presenting, you're in front of people, right, um, all the time. So I guess we can make that number two. It's like you, you have to be, you know, I was talking about the charismatic person, and, and that really hasn't gone away, right? You have to be, you have to be very, you have to have a certain 
certain aura, certain, certain uh, gravitas in front of in front of crowds, right? Um, you have to have and excellent leadership skills. Is so is so broad, but um, yep. you know you have to be you have to be an engaging presenter, right? Um, you have to be able to draw people in. You have to be a really good public speaker. So I guess excellent verbal verbal skills um, under any circumstance, right? Is um, is something which I think is a as a prerequisite. So if you marry that with like being emotionally, um, you know, even keeled, right? And and you're a good speaker, you're confident. Um, uh, <laughs> Jim always mentioned um, confident, but not arrogant. And those are two different things, Jake, right? Um, I think that's good. So I think that's number three, right? You have to be really confident, um, but never arrogant, right? Uh, but people are looking for towards you as a leader. Um, I think number four is, um, you have to have dexterity of mind. Uh, you have to be really agile, right? And um, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that too in, in amazing CROs, right? Um, if there is a there's an issue, right? Um, I presented, um, you know, there's always seven thousand ways around the problem. You just have to really have that agility in your mind, right? Look, look for the alternate route. Uh, you can call it think outside of the box. Um, you could call it. Um, probably um, experience after selling for 30 years, right? But, but the agility is, um, is, is absolutely key. And, um, you know, number five is um, we started out this podcast with like, you know, rev ops people or sales ops people, um, you know, acting as a CRO, right? Um, you know, I think you, sales is such a unique profession in the end, right? And um, I think you really need to have a, a, a pretty darn strong sales background um, as, as a CRO. It depends a little bit on the company these days, right? Um, but um, you need to understand the psychology of a deal. You need to understand um, um, uh, the psychology of uh, and the stress that a sales managers experience. I mean. You know, we haven't even talked about first-line sales managers, right? But that's probably the hardest job on the planet. Six reps, you yep. can't hide, right? Like, yep. <laughs> your forecast can go either way. Yep. I mean, woo! I mean, I mean, that's a tough job, right? Um, and so, and so, I do think um, somebody who grew up and then came through the ranks, right, um, and has that rich experience is priceless. Um, Absolutely. I think, I think that's really, really, in my mind, key um, with the only, you know, asterisks that if it's a completely sort of different go-to-market model, you might get away with it. But um, salespeople are smart too, right? Like they, they sniff that out in four seconds, one second even. Oh, this guy was never really a salesperson. Like they know. Yep. And, um, yep. and, and you can't fake that. Well, so, this has hey. been fantastic, Jake. I mean, I, mean, I know, I know we, we kind of toured around your journey and uh, and and start to to decipher or elaborate some of the topics yeah. but uh but this list uh this is key yeah i mean i i, I definitely think that uh, uh that all of the things that you mentioned and especially the dexterity of mind is so important because the scope of the cro role is so wide and uh, and and given that it's not foundationally defined in the world, right, uh, right, it seems like any good thing that has to do with the customer engine can go towards a CRO. But the mm -hmm. ability to stay um, cool, calm, and collected is yeah. so important. 
Yeah, I think so. And quite frankly, like to be quite transparent is, uh, you know, like I struggled with that early on in my career. I like, I, I wanted to be, I was really passionate about what I was doing. And, you know, like in some guys, I, sometimes I just wanted to be right, no matter what the cost. And um, I'd probably learned a lot more from CROs than they learned from me, right? It's like, like Jake, you know, you realize that the smartest guys most of the time don't get things done right it's like oh, you're probably right maybe i should just work a little bit more on um on my um, interaction and collaboration skills right that was great yeah. advice or um yeah. you know like you don't get anything done by yelling at people or getting angry with people like like it's yep. just it's not a good look right and i can go down the list and so so um i owe so much to to all the CROs that I ever worked with um, in my professional development. So, if, if, in, in case they're listening to this podcast, thanks for uh, thanks for bearing with me, guys. Yeah. That's great, you know, and it, and I'm sure all of those guys appreciated the time that you took to develop yourself, right? Because it's one thing to be to seek the advice, and then it's a totally another thing of to doing something with it. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, let's shift awesome. gears a little bit. Um, yeah. We always ask people because this podcast, while it's themed around go-to-market uh, insights, it's all about the journey of the people and their friends. And so who would be two other people that you respect hmm. who are doing amazing things with go-to-market uh, that we should bring onto the show? Yeah, you know, ooh, that's that, that's a that's a great one. Um, you know, I I know worked with, uh, with with so many fantastic people, and um, I think some people might might not be so interested in it. But um, there's one lady I gotta give a shout out, which is Jenny Silva at NetSuite. Um, she's probably one of the best, if not the best, in the business. <laughs> Um, but I, I doubt that Jenny would like to do a, do a podcast, but now at least everybody, everybody knows that exactly really, really, <laughs> really good. Like not a little good, like awesome. Good. Um, you know, just learned so much from her. Um, um, you know, Jenny Hadlow at Yext, um, sort of had a similar career journey as, as I did, um, started with Yext when they were really small um, um, in sales, uh, got a lot of large deals over the line uh, early on in her career, then opened up the European office, came back um, to work in RevOps. Um, she actually took over from me and, um, you know, she, she's running and leading the RevOps crew at Yext and she's just phenomenal. Um, I think the world needs to hear about uh, about Jenny Hadlow because she's she's an outstanding uh, talent, and um, you know, it's just a matter of time before she ends up being a COO somewhere. So I nominate her. Um, let's see. Let's go with Joan Fitzpatrick. Um, so Joan Fitzpatrick. Um, uh, she sort of I kept on talking about sales productivity. She really sort of pioneered sales productivity um, at um, NetSuite, for example, um, where she actually had, had that title really real early on. Um, and right now, I believe she's working with, uh, with your good friend, Mark Huffman. At, at, oh, yeah. At, <laughs> at, 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 at Blackline. And, yes. um, and, and, you know, like, I just keep on hearing that she's absolutely 
killing it. And so, you know, I think, I think Joan is a person you really want to talk to because she can tell you stories about being uh, one of the first LinkedIn customers. Um, she can tell you a story about um, how she pioneered um, social selling at NetSuite, um, spinning up a client success organization. And she also has awesome, awesome commercial chops. So um, I'll talk to her and then um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go for three. I'm going to break the rules. I'm sorry. Okay, that's okay. Um, that's- you should probably also talk to uh, Jamie Miller at um, at Outreach. Okay. She recently started there as VP of RevOps and um, fantastic talent. Um, so she's going to do great things there together with uh, with Steve Goldberg. I have no doubt. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's and then great. last as an honorable mention, um, maybe Harish Mohan at... Oh, um, yes. Harish Mohan at... Uh, Oh no, it's, it's Harish. Harish is at Outreach. Oops, yeah. sorry, Jamie. And Jamie is at Sales Loft. Oh, I'm gonna get in trouble at that one. But <laughs> Harish is uh, Harish is a, is a formidable um, RevOps leader as well uh, right now at Outreach, and uh, it's kind of exciting, right? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna see who's gonna do better, Sales Loft or Outreach. So Harish is competing against uh, Jamie in a way. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, so, they, or there could be multiple winners, right? Because there's multiple winners in a lot of these categories, right? So they could both yeah, win. The market is the market is big enough for uh, for everybody to win. Yeah. Well, this is, this has been great, Jake. Thank you so much for taking the time out. And I yeah. guess super last question: If people want to reach out to you, would it be okay for them to reach out over LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm really I'm really passionate about helping RevOps people and um, people that know me well. Um, know that I always go go out of my way um, to make sure that I, I do whatever I can to, to, you know, to push the profession forward. I'm just not big on, um, you know, associating with, you know, organizations and all that kind of, it's just not me. It's, just, it's, not, okay. it's not how I'm wired. But um, yeah, send me, send me an email if, uh, if there's anything I can do uh, to help. Um, I love to geek out on this stuff. I really, really, really love what I do. And yeah, if I can, if I can share and elevate the profession, all for it. All right. Well, on that note, Jamie, uh, sorry, Jake, <laughs> I was thinking about the, the Jamie thing. Jake, thank you so much for for hey. spending time with us on the on Friday. We truly enjoyed understanding how you navigated your career to get to this point. And thank you so much for sharing the the five top things that would be great for CROs to to know about and to implement. Uh, and best of luck on your mm. journey. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I really had a good time. Yeah, this was great. Awesome. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us. And share these insights with your peers.